1: luxury quality within reach go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order com slash style
2: hello and welcome to the break the podcast bringing content to sports fans at a time when we are deprived of live action Across the series, I'll be joined by Neil Foles and Jimmy White to debate some of the biggest talking points in snooker, as well as catching up with some of the game's biggest names. And today we're asking, who is the greatest snooker player of all time? And a reminder that this is coming to you from the confines of self-isolation, so please do excuse the audio quality at times. Jimmy, good to see you. How are you? You look lovely in your kitchen there.
1: Yeah, great, mate. Yeah, really enjoying myself being uh, banged up. It's like being in the jungle. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and Neil how's your darts coming along with that dart ball behind you yeah not bad mate yeah and not no nine dart finishes just yet I'm working
2: uh-huh. on that one you know plenty of time plenty of time have you ever got a 180 Neil have you ever done that
0: I have yeah a few only about two or three but um my sister's a county player actually down here in Dorset uh-huh. so yeah she'd only played five or five, six years ago and She's got herself to a good level. So, you know, there's a a bit of um, darts in the family. I'm not not that good
2: myself. There's a proper reason why that dartboard's on the wall behind you. Listen, (laughs) when when we talk to me about the greatest snooker player of all time, everyone, of course, talks about two, O'Sullivan and Hendry. Let's start with Stephen Hendry, the youngest ever champion of the world, Um, a record equaling 36 titles, um, six Masters, five UKs. The list goes on and on and on and on. When you're trying to work out who the greatest player of all time is, what's in the mix for you? What are you looking for, Jimmy?
1: Um, well, you know, obviously records speak for themselves, you know. But I, my, in my opinion, Ronnie O'Sullivan is the greatest player ever for the simple reason that uh, when Stephen Davis was at his prime and I was at my prime, I was drinking and using. And when Stephen Hendry was at his prime. And I was like the next rival to him. I was drinking and using. So I sort of give them a little bit of an edge. And O'Sullivan has come along when the game has obviously gone up a, a few levels and managed to, you know, win five world titles and win more triple crown titles than any other player in today's standards. So that's why he sticks out to me as the greatest player of all time.
2: OK, well, listen, Neil, we'll stay with O'Sullivan then. We'll go back to Hendry in a minute. Um, longevity has got to be key in this discussion, is it? Because he's been doing it since he turned pro, obviously, in 1992. And the other players we're going to be talking about haven't done it consistently over that period of time. But O'Sullivan has, hasn't he?
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I there, there was a period of time, I mean, you started off speaking about Stephen Hendry, who I thought he's the greatest. And I thought that Ronnie was going to be one of these, almost like a cult figure. We knew what a great player he was and he was going to be a bit of an underachiever for what he had a ridiculously high amount of, of, of talent. He won the world title a couple of times and you thought, is he going to do it again? He's stacked up the titles in such a big way now, hasn't he? I mean, he's won five world championships, but he's won more UK championships than Steve Davis. He's won the Masters more than than any other player. And of course, he's won more of the Triple Crown events. What he hasn't done is won as many world titles as the other guys we're going to speak about, Steve Davis and Stephen Hendry. But he's done it over such a long period of time. And maybe his greatest achievement was at the crucible when you think about it, when he won the world championship in twenty thirteen, having had a year off. That that is something that is quite remarkable. He played, I think he played one match in that year against Simon Bedford, who was a very low-ranked player, yeah. I thought, in a, a very minor event, which I don't I don't even remember why he entered that. But anyway, he came back at the crucible. No one really thought he's going to win it back to back, having not played. But that was probably his greatest ever achievement. But but what he always had was a ridiculously huge amount of talent in him. But often, those very talented players don't stack up the numbers in such a big way. So, I mean, obviously, we're going to come to it all. I mean, Jimmy's already already finished the argument, (laughs) hasn't he, there? He's gone with Ronnie. (laughs) We weren't even talking about Ronnie. But it's brilliant, you know. I I actually think Ronnie's the greatest. But there's other guys that are very, very worthy of respect, namely the guy you first met, Stephen Hendry.
2: We'll we'll come back to Hendry in a minute. We've, of course, got to give him his his time that he deserves (laughs) in this chat. But, But staying with O'Sullivan, then. Jimmy, when you look at everything he's done, all his achievements from um, what the 15, one four sevens he's done to the five world titles, everything, when you put it the fastest maximum, the UK's the masters, the debate is difficult. Some, some would say to get O'Sullivan over the line until he gets either the same amount or more world titles, and Stephen Hendry, has he got another world title in him, do you think, Ronnie?
1: It's been a few years since, as Neil said, since he's got to 2014. Six years since he's got to a one-table situation. Of course he has. But, you know, he has to put the work in. You know, he has to practice. And he has to play in all these tournaments. You can't just rack up, uh, rock up. I know he did that year when he had a year off, and but he was world champion. And he was playing better than anybody else at the time. But, you, you know, he has to play in the tournament. To, he has to be sharp. You can't, you know, you can't just... Um, put certain amount of effort in for certain tournaments. He does pick and choose, but I think he's not played in enough to get his confidence going to go on to beat Stephen Hendry's record off seven. And you know, earlier on when I said, you know, I'm not proud that I didn't prepare properly, you know, that was all that was all down to me, you know, and I see Steve Davis, you know, as an unbelievable snooker plan and I see Stephen Hendry take it to a next level, which I didn't think it would ever be done again you know, as as a great player. And then I've seen Ronnie O'Sullivan come along and take it into a different level. You know, the stats, the one four sevens, the over a uh, thousand century breaks. But just in the way that he creates chances, you can look at Steve Davis, brilliant cue action, Stephen Hendry, a brilliant potter. But you look at O'Sullivan, he come to the table and there'd be absolutely nothing there. Within three shots, they're all set up like he put them there with his hand, you know, yeah. and we've never seen anything like it. So... That's what gives me the edge um, over the other two guys. Because, you know, you've got O'Sullivan, Hendry and Steve Davis. You know, they're the three that can only be, the argument can only be about them three because oh, of the oh, they won. Well,
2: well, listen, let me let me try and put an argument forward. I say try for Stephen Hendry. I mean, my goodness, you know, some, of course, say he's without doubt the greatest player of all time. 27 years he did it for. And what he did that O'Sullivan hasn't done, Neil, is he did dominate an entire decade, didn't he?
0: Yeah, he did. And he's very proud about all that still. You know, he, he, I worked with him, as you know, on snooker. And if you say something that might not be that complimentary about his era or his game, you get a little look at it. He's giving you a little look as if to say, don't forget about me. You know, he still holds those records dearly to him. Just generally how, when he came along, we knew he was a terrific player. We knew what he was. The first time he played at the cruise, we lost narrowly to Willie Thorne. And of course, he played Willie the next year and there was only one winner that match. You know, he'd improved out of all recognition. The way that he had the the same um, mindset as Steve Davis, whereas it wasn't really about the money. The money didn't mean anything to him. He wanted to beat you and beat you again. And during his 20s, he was the most dominant player we've ever seen in snooker. You know, nobody has ever quite dominated to that level. He had everyone in the head. Not, not, you know, I say everybody, clearly the, the other man was sitting there. Jimmy White's beat him at the crucible. You know, what I mean by that is most of the players he played were beat before they started. And I think that applies to where Sullivan sometimes or has done and it applied to Steve Davis. And they didn't get that by luck. They got that because they've hammered them number and number of times. So now the guy doesn't really want to play you anymore. Um, with Stephen, he played, He took Snuka to a different level. He took it away from the, the Steve Davis game, which was a fabulous game. He became a prolific break builder. You know, he, there were shots that he maybe brought into the game which weren't there before. And the other thing about Stephen Hendry, which he's, I, I lost count of the times I can remember him playing a match where he's not always playing at that high level, but he would finish off with two centuries. If the score was at the Crucible, best of uh, 19 match, eight all, and he's, he's at half asleep, then he might finish with back-to-back centuries or make a century in the, in the decider. So he had gears and he could always play better when he needed to. And, um, you know, he was a bit of a in animal, really, uh, during his career. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't mind how easily he beat you. That was the key, and he would like Mm. to do. And Steve was exactly the same. You know, they took great delight in hammering the point home. Jimmy, you played both of them in
2: your peak and in their peak. Who would you fancy nicking a win from either O'Sullivan or Hendry when they were playing to their best of their
1: form? Um, it's, 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 It's a difficult question. It's like when they talk about Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. You know, obviously between them, you know, they've won the most tournaments in the game. So there was. I would put an edge with Hendry was that uh, he was always more focused than O'Sullivan. But just out of the higher level of snooker players, you know, you've got Mark Williams, you've got John Higgins, the late Paul Hunter. You know, these are players, you know, when Davis was around in the 80s, there wasn't that many players. And then in the 90s with Stephen Hendry, there wasn't that many players. And then all of a sudden, 92, when you had like Williams, uh, you know, Matthew Stevens, Paul Hunter, you know, John Higgins, you know, and uh, for what Ronnie has dominated in, you know, for me from then on, it's just, you know, he's just phenomenal. It's just, in my opinion, Ronnie O'Sullivan, is the greatest player of all mm. time.
2: Yeah, I think Jimmy's trying to end this show quite early. <laughs> I did, I did yeah. my best to keep it going.
1: Well, you know, um, I mean, what like, you can't sort of turn around and say, you know, you, Stephen Hendry would tell you O'Sullivan's the best player ever.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think we've got to, we've got to kind of um, consider a few of a few the other guys. I mean, we haven't even mentioned the Nugget yet, have we, Andy? You know what I mean? It's the only right, way... Okay. Have so, we not mentioned
2: hen- Steve Davis? Right. Well, let's talk Davis now, right? Because, of course, all the players we've spoken about, all the two, Hendry and, and O'Sullivan, they've all got different things going for them. You know, Hendry dominated an entire decade. O'Sullivan's done it over maybe three. Uh, there's longevity in his game. But when you look at Steve Davis, right, and you talk about players that took it the game from a completely... But the, the different level, when I got involved with Snooker, it wasn't that big on a telly. It had just gone onto, you know, things like Pop Black had just started being shown. And then all of a sudden, this ginger magician came on the screen and was blowing everyone away and then brought Snooker to a completely new audience, right? So I think we have to take that into consideration as well. He also got to eight world finals in nine years and he played the game over 38 years. Let's not forget that. But Neil, one of, I think, one of his most amazing achievements wasn't when he was flying in the 80s, But it was towards the end of the 90s when he actually beat, I think he was 39 years old, and he beat a 21-year-old Ronnie O'Sullivan in the final of the Masters. I mean, that takes some doing, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a match that's known uh, for the streaker coming out, isn't it? Uh, With John Street there as the referee. Yeah, I mean, he, he did have a few moments, didn't he, towards the end of his career where his game came back. Interestingly, that match definitely was a big one. No one really thought he would beat O'Sullivan. And to to be honest, Steve never really liked playing in the Masters very much. It wasn't one of his favourite events. He won it three times. By his high standards, that wasn't a great return. You know, Steve won everything so many times. The Masters wasn't for him. So no one really thought he'd win that match. If you want to talk about matches at the end of his career, I remember uh, he played tremendously well uh, in the UK Championship up at the Barbican. I think it was 2005. It was certainly about that time. It where was. he played snooker almost as, as well as I've ever seen him play. And also, of course, 2010, was it? The year when he uh, beat John Higgins, maybe in 2011. I, I just lost my mind for a minute. But where he beat John Higgins at the Crucible, you know, uh, that was some doing because he was already way past his best then. And to beat John Higgins over 25 frames, it took some doing at the best of times. Mm. So this is the, the Steve Davis that was not the player that he was. The Steve Davis, and that, that's where the, people talk about the eras, you know, oh, while well, Steve played in a different era. Well, actually, he's got a few results, and the one that you pointed out, where he beat Ronnie at, at the Masters, that were kind of out of his era, and he was still able to win. So anyone that really believed Steve wasn't a great player didn't have to play him. And that's what I would mm-hmm. say. And, and I know that Jimmy would certainly agree with me on that. We have a lot of respect for Steve Davis for what he achieved and for the kind of player he was and the kind of levels of discipline I think he showed as a player.
2: And Jimmy, um, 30 appearances at the World Championship. At the age of 50, he was still in the top 16. What What do you think, um, Davis? how do you think we should view Davis in the context of the history of the sport of snooker? Uh,
1: you know, an absolute legend. A great ambassador for the game. I played him uh, just recently in an exhibition in Ipswich. You know, we, we both got a standing ovation, you know, and he's great with the crowd, you know, and he was one of the most... Brilliant players we've ever had. You know, he had the Rolls-Royce Q action. He was always immaculate. He you know, he was always good with the press. But for me, which I try to do as best I can as well, he was always good with the public. But going back to we're uh, talking about the greatest players of all time, we don't mention John Higgins. You know, imagine if Ronnie O'Sullivan wasn't around, how many tournaments would John Higgins would have won? You know, he, you know, O'Sullivan has stopped him winning so many triple crown events, and he was another player who didn't do well at the um, Masters for some strange reason, a bit like Steve Davis. But, you know, Davis, Hendry and O'Sullivan are between them, mm. the best in the world. But O'Sullivan is number one. The other two are even.
2: Uh, Jimmy, again, still trying to finish the show. And we are we are going to be talking about John Higgins in the next part, which is coming up in a minute. So fear not. Just quickly, before we get to that break, Neil, um, we have to mention Ray Reardon, of course, also won 6 yeah. titles,
0: don't we? We do. It was a different game then. I mean, as I say, what, what I'm saying about with Steve, people think that nobody could play back then. There were some good players around when Steve was around. There were some good players around when Ray Reardon was around. But of course, we'll we never really know how good Ray Reardon was because the boom in snooker was when you know, he was still working you know, as a policeman and snooker was very much played in working men's clubs. The World Championships played in small venues then. Ray Reardon was a great was a great player and he's a great man. You know, he's, he's so respected in snooker and he was almost a little bit frightening to play against. It was almost like the, the headmaster in the school that you went to that you feared most. Playing him was a bit like that, you know. He knew the game inside out. And let's be honest, he helped Ronnie O'Sullivan's career. Ronnie would be the man to tell you that. He learnt, told him how to play safe. So, mm. yeah, Ray Redden has got to be mentioned in this. He won six world titles, albeit most of them were before the Crucible because... Um, He probably wasn't at his best then, but he still won it there. Okay,
2: we're going to have a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about Alex Higgins, John Higgins, Mark Selby and the ultimate snooker player. We'll see you right after this. Hello, welcome back to a special snooker podcast with me, Andy Goldstein, Neil Fulton, Jimmy White. We've been talking about the greatest snooker player of all time. Although, after about two minutes, Jimmy put his cards on the table and said it was Ronnie O'Sullivan. So myself and Neil are trying to put other players in front of him and maybe convince him to change his mind even for five minutes. But we're probably going to have no luck. Although we might when we talk about our next player. Jimmy, I'll start with you. Your old pal, Alex Higgins. Of course, a triple crown winner. He won the World Championship twice in two different decades. When you're talking about Snooker's greats, you have to include his name in the conversation, don't you?
1: Oh, mate, make no mistake. You know, he made Snooker popular. He he got to an audience who, who never watched Snooker, you know, and uh, he was the first sportsman ever to bring a baby on when he won a tournament. You know, everybody does that now. You see the golfers always bring their kids on when they win. He was the first person in sport to do that in 1982. But Higgins' popularity was down to his shot making, you know, and he was always twitching and he was moving when he was watching. He'd done all the things that you, you know, against the textbook. But Neil will tell you, as a snooker player, he was phenomenal. You know, he had so many shots in his locker. There's so much excitement watching him play, you know, and uh, make no mistake, because of Alex Higgins, that's why snooker is so popular today.
2: Yeah, we, we have to take into consideration when we're talking about the game's greatest ever players, how much has changed. Um, he made in his mm-hmm. entire career just 86 tonnes. His highest break in his career was 142. When you look at ranking events that he won, we talk about O'Sullivan and Endry having 36, he's down in the record books as just one, even though he won two world titles because one of them was before ranking events won. So if, if you're going to look at how great a player has been, it's difficult to look at the record books and not. Take everything he's done with a pinch of salt,
0: because of course sometimes the records don't reflect just how great a player was. No, and I think with, with Alex, uh, first of all, I'm pretty sure he was self-taught. I don't, I can't imagine anyone trying to coach him. I'm sure what he did was instinctive from day one, you know, to the day he stopped playing. And um, he was a very difficult player when you were playing against him. And Jimmy will, will be able to tell you this as well that you, you most of the time you're trying to second guess what your opponent's doing. You, you know, they're at the table, and you think they might miss or they might. Play this shot alex would play shots in a his own way he was a real maverick of a performer he was full of inspiration very inspired player very um attacking player he played shots that no one else played he didn't have a, a well he had a good technique clearly because he, he, he couldn't do what he did without having it but he had an unusual technique i think actually if he was to slow his cue action down he would get through the ball pretty well but after that everything went haywire you know the cue would go everywhere um, he, he had the kind of game that used to thrill people. And, you know, we see that in O'Sullivan, in that it's not about just winning, it's the way they won. win. And when Alex Higgins won, and when he won his second world title, you know, when Baby Lauren came out, as Jimmy pointed out, it was all about emotion. And that was his game. I and mean, of course, dare I say it, that clearance he made against Jimmy uh, was one of the greatest things still mm. to this day you'll ever see. It was, was death defying all the way through. And that's kind of how he played his snooker, wasn't
2: it? And Jimmy, listen, we call him the hurricane. I've only seen, of course, you know, as a kid growing up, I remember bits and pieces, but the most the most I've seen of Higgins has been clips on YouTube. But was he incredibly fast like yourself, like Judd, like Ronnie, or was he called Hurricane because he was faster than the other players that were incredibly slow, like Davis, Thorburn, Griffiths, Mountjoy, et cetera?
1: Yeah, well that then players were there was a lot slower. Um he was named Hurricane Higgins after a newspaper. A journalist named him that because of the H in Higgins, but he was very quick running around the table. And, uh, but on his actual shot, he wasn't quick at all. He was about 20 seconds. But because he run around the table, he looked fast. The fastest player ever, you didn't mention, is Tony Drago. You know, he was down to mm. sort of 10, 12 seconds. And O'Sullivan, I think he's around 15. And you've got Tetra Noon, he's around the same time now so um, remarkably O'Sullivan to this day is one of the fastest players ever most players slow down slightly he hasn't but Higgins on his actual shot he wasn't quick he just run around the table in between shots.
2: Okay Uh, Neil from one Higgins to another John Higgins Um, of course he turned pro in 92 the same year as Mark Williams and Ronnie O'Sullivan so far has won 30 ranking titles would you say one of the most consistent players over the last
0: two decades is that fair? Yeah, I think um, he's a little bit of a different player now to what he was and probably isn't as good now as what he was. And I know that's a a strange thing to say when he's been in the last three World Finals. But isn't that almost a reflection of how good a player he was? I think he's accepted it. You know, his game has changed quite a lot over the years. I suppose there is an argument that he has a lot to people to thank. The fact that, you know, he grew up playing against Stephen Hendry. He learned a lot from Stephen Hendry and then he became the champion he is now. He probably doesn't get the credit he deserves because there were other players like Ronnie O'Sullivan around and, you know, they've been around all that time. To say he's been in Ronnie's shadow would be totally unfair. I'm not suggesting that. But because the, the two of them, and indeed Mark Williams, three times world champion, was from the same era, they've, they've split it up between them a little bit, those three, haven't they? You know, I mean, mm. when, you, when you go back to the Alex Higgins, you saw someone who took snooker to a different level. I don't think you can say that with John. But the point you made, he is very consistent. And he seems maybe of the three of those, uh, you talk about Mark Williams, Ronnie O'Sullivan and and John Higgins, John Higgins might do it the Steve Davis way. He might just keep going into his 50s, you know, and still play to a very high level. Whereas I'm not too sure whether the other two are going to want to do that. John Higgins still knows that he can make a lot of money out of snooker by playing at the highest level. And he wouldn't really write off another world championship. Any shortlist, he has to be on still, because even 80% of his best, he's still a top player. Yeah, Jim, it's weird, isn't it? He's won four world titles
2: and Neil, of course, quite rightly pointed out that he's lost in the last three. So he could have had seven world titles, even more, actually. Um, with regards to his game, it wouldn't surprise me if he did win another world title. He's, it, it doesn't really dip below a certain level whenever he plays, does he? The consistency he's shown has been incredible. What do you think the best part of his game is at the moment, Jimmy?
1: Um, I think John Higgins' temperament is is next to none. And every shot, he has a pre-shot routine, even though he'd be the first to tell you he hasn't had any coaches. But he has, you know, he uh, presents every shot. He gives you the same amount of feathers. Uh, You know, he has like a walk into the shot. And obviously that builds up his confidence as he's going along, because he can be playing in a match. And, you know, the score doesn't really matter to uh, John Higgins. He gets into uh, such a great, Concentration; He gets into his own bubble, which Stephen Henry was one of the masters of that. But I think for me, why John Higgins is such a class act. And I think if Ronnie Sullivan wouldn't have been there, maybe he would be saying he's the greatest player of all time. He plays the right shots all the time. You know, it, you can nominate what shot John Higgins is playing, mm. you know, 99 times out of 100 and you get it right. Because he's like Steve Davis. He played the right shot most of the time.
2: Uh, now, another player that perhaps people listening to this might question why we're putting his name in now. I'm putting his name in because I'm going to ask you whether or not he could be a future great. He's still a great. There's no doubt about it. I'm talking about Mark Selby. Three well-titled, but so far, right? What's he got to do for us to have this conversation in 10 years and make sure his name's definitely in it? Good question.
0: I think with Mark, for a while, he was dominant. Maybe he's got to stamp his authority on the game a bit better because, you know, even when he won all of those world titles, I mean, he, he's a very difficult player to beat. It was mm-hmm. only a little spell where I thought he looked, this guy's almost invincible. He always felt that someone could beat him. But invariably, he just stopped them playing. He's very good at that. Very good at that. For him to go to the next level and be put in this category in, 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 the, in the next decade, if he won another couple of world titles, we couldn't avoid putting him in there. He's won three. And if he was to win two or three more, then he's you know approaching Steve Davis and, and Stephen Hendry. I think with him, it can only be about winning more titles. What he has done very well this season, actually, is he won two of the Home Nations events. And they're the events that he hasn't really ever done anything in before. And when you think about it, he's won everything in the game. He just needs a little bit more of the same, I think, mm. to put in that category. Comparisons, Jimmy, with maybe Steve Davis, the way he, he
2: gets down on the cue ball, of course his safety game as well. Would you is that fair? Would you compare him to yeah,
1: Steve? Yeah, you know, he he's a master tactician, you know, he moves on the shot, he wobbles when he gets down, which you know, which is you shouldn't do, anyone would tell you. But he would he always always trying new things with his cue action and it works for him. So he, he obviously knows what he's doing. For me, his strengths are he comes from the snooker hall. Situation, you know, he was a pool player. So, you know, there was a lot when you played pool, there's a a lot of like fudging, we call it, where you try and get two Mm. shots and all that. So, you know, whatever the situation is with Mark Selby, if a game is going to take 40 minutes, he he doesn't care. You know, he he has such a great temperament. If late, I can say he's not scored as heavy as he used to, you know, say four years ago. But, um, you know, he's a Listen, a fantastic player, great metal, got everything. But at the moment, he doesn't score enough to go and win too many big titles for me.
2: So, Neil, listen, if we're going to have this conversation, we're going to revisit in 10 years' time, maybe Mark Selby's name will be in it. Anyone else? Would
0: Judge Trump's name be in it? At the moment, he's only won one world title, but there's no doubt in his talent. Well, he's the next person we're going to be putting in that category, isn't he? I mean, look, you're right, he's only won one world title... You know, he, he's won the Masters, he, he's won the UK Championship, he's won all those three, he's won a lot of tournaments this season, he's won more this season than anyone's ever done in a season, because he won that bizarre event in Gibraltar, where there was nobody there at the end, right at the beginning of all these problems for the world, and that is, he is, you know, showing all, all the hallmarks of being a great, great player. I would like to mention one name very briefly here, he's not quite in the gaffed category, but I would like to mention Paul Hunter, because he won three Masters titles, and But for illness, and we know that he passed away, who knows what he could have gone on to achieve. Of course, we can't say he's the best player in the world, but we can say that he maybe would have gone into this conversation had he still been alive and well, because I'm sure he'd still been winning. So Hmm. he's another name that I think would be not worth mentioning just at this point, you know.
2: Okay, and Jimmy, same question to you. Should we be maybe perhaps bringing in Mark Williams' name or is there another player you think three or four years down the line could be in this conversation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, like... What a player Mark Williams is! You know he come along ninety five. You know he started to show. You know what a class act, what a great player he was. And you know when he won the the second world title in uh, the millennium, you know he he just won a single ball potter. There's no one better than Mark Williams. You know just like one individual shot. You know I thought Hendry was, you know, I never thought I'd see a player pop balls like Stephen Hendry, but Mark Williams came along a single ball potter, you know, and to win his third world title and to have that season that he did, not last season, the season before, just shows, you know, that he's an absolute class act and we could be well talking about him. He could win, he could win another world title for sure.
2: Okay, before I get you both to sum up and pick your greatest player of all time, although I've got a feeling where Jimmy's going to go, <laughs> uh, Neil, if you were going to maybe um, combine as many elements as you want from as many snooker players as you want to make up the perfect snooker player, who would you choose? What would they be?
0: Well, I would say the most dedicated player I ever saw was Steve Davis. Um, when I first joined Matchroom, I, I noticed just how dedicated he was. with would be away abroad playing, say in Hong Kong, for instance. And a lot of players would go in and have a little bit of a practice. Jimmy would obviously be in there all day practicing as well. But with Steve, you know, we'd go in a place with the Hong Kong club and hit balls and Steve would stay in there all day. And I thought, well, wow, this guy's the best player already and he wants to play eight hours a day. What does that tell me what I need to know? So I think the dedication of Davis was everything. The ruthlessness you know, of Steve and Hendry and the way he took break building to a new level is there as well. And, you know, dare I say, if you want the charisma that, that uh, he brought to the game, then that's where Ronnie O'Sullivan comes into that equation. They're the three players are the best, but they're all different. You know, they've all got different qualities. And Jimmy, your answer to that same question would be?
1: Well, I'm just going to go back to the Hong Kong club. Uh, yeah. Me and Willie Thorne played points with Stephen Hendry, a very young Stephen Hendry, and he lost £4,000 playing a oh. pound a And he had to go back to the hotel and uh, Mr Ian Doyle had to pay <laughs> for it. Now, winning that £4,000 was probably the worst thing we ever done. <laughs> That next year, he started to win absolutely everything. So it was a lesson in disguise. But it was a good night for, I think I won about two and a half and Willie won about 1,500. But, you know, for me, Steve Davis was the 80s and, you know, a little bit of Higgins making the game different. But then you had Stephen Hendry, who, for me, took the game to a different level. But as i got to say, O'Sullivan then took it to an even bigger level and he's still doing it. And uh, us snooker players and fans are lucky to have him.
2: Okay. So, Jimmy, you're saying the greatest snooker player of all time is Ronnie O'Sullivan?
1: No, me, right? Andy. Me, you yeah, I
2: said, <laughs> I said. I just said you're saying it's Ronnie O'Sullivan.
1: No, it's me. I'm just, this is all <laughs> just messing about with the two of you. Oh, uh, you're
2: the greatest. You're well, listen, of course you I'm my the greatest. You, you get my vote, Jim. You know that from there. Cheers, Andy.
0: Foldsy, greatest snooker yeah. player of all time. What a horrible question. No, it's not. The the greatest player of all time is Ronnie O'Sullivan, in my opinion. I do say that, having thought that Steve might be the greatest of all time during his career. And then I thought, Stephen, no, he's definitely, no one's going to be better than him. But it's not only how good a player Ronnie is, it's the numbers now. He's won more triple crowns than anybody else. He hasn't won more world titles than Hendry, but some of his achievements at the Crucible are greater um, it's the longevity of the man, he's 44 and he, he's going to win more tournaments, you know he beat Judd Trump in the Tour Championship last year, the one this year of course has been delayed, but he did it in great style and it's just the way he's done it, you know the way he's won, it's not really about winning, it's about winning in style and entertaining and see that, that to me makes him the best player in the world and, and Stephen Hendry's a close second, but mm. to me O'Sullivan has now surpassed everything Hendry's achieved.
2: Okay, uh, that's all we've got time for. Neil, I'm going to let you go. I know you want to get back to your arrows. And Jimmy, you've got to deliver it at the front door, so you've got to pop off as well. So from myself, from Neil and Jimmy, wave everyone. Say goodbye. You guys. You guys. Right. Thanks again to everyone that's listened. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of The Break. Remember, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast on your platform of choice. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.